رمضان نايتس on البيان راديو بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم السلام عليكم دي brothers and sisters welcome to Ramadan nights I'm your host Abu Abdurrahman and I'm very pleased to be joined by my dear brother the Sheikh Khalid Muhammad Assalamu alaykum Sheikh Wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh How are you today? Well alhamdulillah great to be back uh, It feels like subhanallah it's been ages but at the same time it feels like I never left I don't know how that is but subhanallah it's been a long long year as, as you know subhanallah but it's great to be here We'll get back to where you've been and what you've been doing uh, ta'ala. but before that we'd like to welcome all our viewers all our listeners listening to Albayan Radio whether on our app Wi-Fi radios or watching on YouTube and Facebook Barakallahu feekum dear brothers and sisters and if you'd like to contribute to tonight's episode you can on our YouTube channel there or Facebook on the ASWJ Australia Facebook feed Barakallahu feekum now dear Sheikh where have you been uh, <laughs> so I started off um, in Sharjah Uh, Sharjah, Dubai. Um, obviously, Sharjah is one of the six Emirates. A lot of people, when they think of Dubai, they think it's a country by itself. Um, obviously, with the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, there's six Emirates there. So Dubai is one, Abu Dhabi is one, Sharjah is another, Ajman and the like. So I was in Sharjah there. So pretty much the UAE. I spent approximately 10, 10 and a half months there. And then I spent a month in um, Lebanon. Yeah, the Lebanon trip was just a nice little break. <laughs> and then I came back, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, you so, recently came back in Ramadan or yeah. before Ramadan? Uh, I came back seven or eight days before Ramadan, which was actually a request from my mother. Uh, so I can spend a bit of time before Ramadan, you know, in the day and stuff like this, uh, lunch, breakfast, etc. And then subhanallah, qaddar allahumma sha'afa'al, I went straight into quarantine. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> the hotel quarantine as well. <laughs> oh, no. So qaddar allahumma sha'afa'al, it was, it was a headache in the whole process, um, subhanallah, especially because it wasn't expected completely. But as for when I got into the hotel, it was, alhamdulillah, a, a little break. And it's actually funny because, um, subhanallah, I have a couple numbers, as I'm sure, Sheikh Nidal, you, you would have realized. Uh, I have a couple of numbers, subhanAllah, and uh, Sheikh Khalid, Sheikh Khalid Isa actually mentioned to me um, when we were speaking on the phone, we call on WhatsApp. And what it was, was because I was overseas for approximately a year, uh, they disabled one of the numbers, they recycled it. So Sheikh Khalid was telling me, because once again, we, we were speaking on WhatsApp. He was telling me that as I got back, you know, uh, he was trying to call. And other brothers had told me the same thing and there was a, a girl answering. And this happened to me actually a few a few years ago when I when I came back from Kuwait, the same thing. And Sheikh Khalid was mentioning <laughs> how she was getting angry, you know. Um, obviously because there must have been a lot of calls. You know, she was probably getting bombarded, Allahu A'lam. You know, it's been a year, you know, almost a year. So people were calling, etc. So subhanAllah, I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll call this um, this lady. Just to let her know what's going on, like, <laughs> like this is this was my old number, and that's the reason you're getting a lot of calls. And the thing is, I still had the WhatsApp number, Subhanallah. It was still running. I was still using it constantly, questions, etc., catching up with people off the WhatsApp. But the actual number was hers, was with the lady. But the WhatsApp stayed mine. Allahu a'lam. Some are telling me when she tries to make WhatsApp, my WhatsApp will get disabled. I'm not sure exactly how it works. Mm. But the point is, anyway. So. I thought, okay, she's probably getting bombarded with the course, subhanAllah. So <laughs> so I, I, I called the lady off my wife's phone, put her on speaker. I said, hi, you know, uh, um, uh, oh, you have my old number. And wallahi, she said to me, are you Khaled? And I said, I said, yes. Wallahi, she goes to me along the lines of, I just have one question for you. I said, yeah. She goes, are you a drug dealer? <laughs> <laughs> Stop, wallahi, I said... <laughs> 
<laughs> she said, are you a drug dealer? I said, I said, no. Why? She goes, I've been getting so many calls. <laughs> so I had to explain to her that I was pretty much, you know, just involved in da'wah and, and this is what I do. And she was very understanding. And then I said to her, look, after about a month or two, I should be going back, inshallah, overseas. And um, it should calm down. And she was just thanking me for the call. But it was just a funny instance. Oh, so pretty yeah. much that, 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 that seven days in the hotel, um, it was, um, alhamdulillah, a good kind of rest before getting completely back into it. So you said you were gone for a year. What did you get up yeah. to in that year? Uh, I initially actually planned, um, before I left, obviously, I, I had planned to do the qiraat. Um, for those who, who don't know pretty much, uh, to keep it in the simplest um, kind of uh, language and, and words or wording, uh, the qiraat are just different ways to recite the Qur'an. But all of them are from Allah. Obviously, Allah Azza wa Jal sent them down. Uh, sent obviously Jibril alayhi salam. Uh, Allah Azza wa Jal spoke with all these recitations. Um, there's ten different recitations, and they're mutawatir, meaning pretty much they're just authentically attributed, guaranteed, no shadow of a doubt to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So I planned before I left to go get seven of the ten, and. Some might ask why seven, why not just the ten completely, etc. Um, what it is pretty much, there's two main uh, 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 poems, if you'd like to say, regarding these recitations. And one of them is called Ash-Shatibiyya and one of them co- is called Ad-Durra. And I actually wanted to have a lesson about this, but I thought, to be honest, I didn't. I thought it might be a bit too much. But maybe we can, inshallah, dedicate a lesson or two for this in this month, Allahu A'lam. The point is, subhanAllah, that uh, I went to go get the seven because that's in that one text of Ash-Shatibiyya. So before I left to go study these recitations and these different modes and methods of reciting the Qur'an, which once again, very, very important to understand, they all from Allah. All of them are from Allah Azza wa Jal and all of them have authentic chains to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and obviously that would mean they have authentic chains to Allah Azza wa Jal because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had, had the Qur'an recited to him, spoken to him from Jibreel, who had obviously them spoken to from Allah Azza wa Jalla. And that's very important on a side note, even from the belief of a Muslim. You see some charts, they put the Qur'an, the chain, only up to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Allahu A'lam, there may be, depending on who's speaking or who did that chart, there may be an agenda behind that. Because obviously there's some, Allahu A'lam, I don't even know what to call them out there, as we, I'm sure many of us have heard before, who say that Allah doesn't speak, which is just very strange. Just, uh, uh, you know, Shaykh, very strange belief. So if you see a chart like that, where it ends at the Prophet only, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allahu A'lam, there may be an agenda behind that. When really it should be the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then Jibreel Alaihi Salam, then Allah Azza wa Jal, because we all know that Allah speaks, and Allah spoke the Qur'an, they uncreated those words. So the point is that I went to go get the seven um, uh, from Ash-Shatibiyya. That's one of the two poems which we mentioned. And to be honest, I thought it was going to take more than two, three, four years actually. Um, because usually those who get these in universities, they usually take approximately three or four years to get those seven. Uh, SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, I managed to get them all in that one year because by the fadl of Allah, Allah opened SubhanAllah the doors for me where I managed to get my teacher and pretty much was able to pay him daily. 
to give me so much more time that I didn't even need that extra, you know, year or two, which I thought I was going to do. So in the uni, for example, they study the seven, say three days a week, an hour a day. Whereas we were doing six days a week, an hour and a half a day. So Alhamdulillah, by the Father of Allah, I, I managed to um, achieve that. Uh, and just an example, if, if, if there's those who are confused as to what do you mean different recitations? Well, the majority of differences between or in the recitations is through the sounds. And this, wallahi, whoever thinks about it is, is, is from the wisdom of Allah that he did send down the Qur'an according to these different recitations which catered for those different tribes at the time. Now, I said the majority of differences are in the sounds. What do I mean? Well, imagine someone comes up to you and says, I want my mum. And you see another guy coming up to you and says, I want my mum. See, so one person got used to saying it with the O, for example, M O. I think America, <laughs> M-O-M, mum. And then we grew up here saying mum. So you might say to him, why are you saying it like that? And he says, this is the way I was raised. This is the way I grew up saying mum, not mum. And you try to tell him, don't say mum, say mum. And he can't say it, subhanAllah. So likewise, at the time of the Prophet wasallam, there was those tribes and those Arabs and those people who, subhanAllah, would speak with a certain sound, such as Musa, which is what we're all used to, Musa. It's called the Fathia anyway. It ends with the A sound, with the Fatha, clear cut. Then you might get someone else saying Musa. So instead of Musa, he says Musa, for example. So the majority of differences in the Qur'an, though, and when I say differences, I mean the different recitations, even though they're all authentic once again, and proven and confirmed with chains to the Prophet wasallam, multiple chains, the majority is with these sounds, with these um, sounds, subhanAllah. And then you get some words in the Qur'an as well, which are different, some words. Uh, for example, in some recitations, actually the vast majority, we say Maliki Yawmiddin. So for those obviously, actually everybody should know that we say in our recitation called Hafs, An Asim, Maliki Yawmiddin. But in the vast majority, they say Maliki Yawmiddin. Or in the majority, they say Malik. Likewise, when we come to the verse of Allah, Ihdina Sirat al Mustaqim, there are three ways to recite this. For example, with the seen instead of the sad, so we don't say ihdina sirata, we say ihdina sirata. It's a slight difference between the sad and the seen. And then there's another recitation which we say ihdina zirata al mustaqim, zirata al ladina an'amta alayhum. For example, which is obviously a clear cut difference to what we're used to. But the point is, this is pretty much what I went to study, and alhamdulillah. After over 220 hours of recitation by the Father of Allah, I managed to do that cover um, to cover uh, uh, in those seven modes of the recitation. So that's what my main focus was this year or the year that just passed. And alhamdulillah, I did, I did achieve that. Excellent. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khairan for that. And that's uh, very good to know. Now, our topic for tonight, dear brothers and sisters, for those of you who, who saw the poster advertising tonight's Ramadan uh, edition, Ramadan night edition, sorry, is the the etiquettes of visiting others. Why this topic, dear Sheikh? Uh, subhanallah, it's such an important topic um, to me because actually coming into Ramadan, I met a lot of brothers um, who were mentioning and saying that, and to be honest, I feel like this as well to some degree, that pretty much they don't accept invitations in Ramadan. And they like to have their iftar at home, which is completely understandable. And I completely understand that. But it could become a problem when, when they take that mentality outside of Ramadan. 
when they take that mentality outside of Ramadan. Now, we all understand, especially this year, um, it's a short time frame between Maghrib and Isha, between, for example, the iftar and going out to pray Isha in the masjid and the like. So it's completely understandable where brothers and even sisters may not like to go um, uh, out to other places and have iftar at other places and the likes. But at the end of the day, we must remember that accepting the invitation and even inviting others is an act of worship. And a lot of people may be heedless to that. You know, some of us, we might think that worship is in the mosque. As we always say, subhanAllah, worship in the, only in the mosque, only fasting. And that's, whereas we might be heedless to the fact that just inviting your brother, let alone your family member. Imagine if you invite your family member to dinner, to lunch, to breakfast, just to come over and hang out. Or you go for the sake of Allah to see your brother. These are great acts of worship. So I thought we'll discuss this because there are those ones, or firstly, that they take this mentality outside of Ramadan and they don't go anywhere. They don't visit anyone. And when people want to visit them, they're frowning. They're upset that someone came to visit them for the sake of Allah. No, this should not be the way um, uh, uh, that we act towards uh, these invitations, subhanAllah. And also, we want to keep in mind that when it comes to visiting your brother, I repeat that it is a great act of worship as we're going to see, inshaAllah ta'ala, very shortly. Now, some people when they visit, they think they're going to do something good, but they end up falling in major sins. Not just minor sins, major sins. So you might think, yes, you're doing something good by visiting your brother. And we ask Allah to accept always, of course. But you might be going to visit your brother and you end up committing major sins. Not major sin only, major sins, let alone the minor, subhanAllah. As we're going to see, inshallah, in these these couple of lessons, if Allah wills. Inshallah. Now, uh, as we know, in Ramadan, there's a lot more visiting happening yeah. than, than usual. And with a lot more visiting, you're going to see a lot more stuff. Both good and bad, and uh, from the things I've seen, is the visiting becoming too extravagant? Yeah, definitely. The visiting preventing people from obeying and worshiping Allah and missing out on Salatul Isha in Jama'ah because, um, as they say, and we've all experienced it. Let's yeah. be straight out. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to leave my guest. And my guest doesn't want to leave. Exactly. <laughs> so what do you do? Especially if it's from our elders who we have to respect and honor. Subhanallah. Yeah. But the time is very tight. And and you see a lot of those, unfortunately, um, to be straightforward, of course, that Yami, I need to do things. I've got things to do. That's why there's a mathal um the, the Arabs they say in Zurta Fakhafif. You know, if you if you if you um visit then lighten, yani lighten the visit. Don't sit there hours. Well, some people act as if they're in a hotel or something. They stay and you they, know? Stay, they, and stay, they and stay. stay and stay. Like soon they're about to get the blanket out and have a nap coming on the couch, subhanAllah. And this this isn't the way of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As we're going to see once again, one of the points we have today is the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which has been classified as authentic by Al-Albani, Al-Sheikh Al-Arna'ut and the likes, rahimahumullah. Zur ghibban. Zur ghibban, yani pretty much uh, 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 as the ulama, they say, visit and then cut off the visits for a bit. Visit and then cut off the visits for a bit. Because not only, like you mentioned, Sheikh, that people stay and don't leave, some of them do it daily. Daily. Like, people have things to do, subhanAllah. But understand that the guy might be shy. The guy might be shy. The lady might be shy to tell you, I need I need to do things. And that's going to be some of our points, inshallah, which we're going to discuss. But I think before that, I think it's important, subhanAllah, to speak about first the virtues of visiting. Because once again, so many don't know that these are great acts of worship. Yani, 
the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says regarding the, 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 the uh, iman, belief. He says, Man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir. And we know these ahadith, subhanAllah, like, فَلْيَقُلْ خَيْرًا أَوْ لِيَصْمُتْ Let him speak good or remain silent. And also, another narration, or in that narration at the end, he says, Man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir. And this is very important. Whoever believes in Allah and the last day, يعني, if you claim to believe in Allah and the last day, well, are you doing what the hadith says? What the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam commanded? He says, فَلْيُكْرِمْ he has to or he should honor his guest. Let him honor his guest. And this is related to what whoever believes in Allah and the last day. Not Wallah, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam just saying if you want to or if you feel like it. No, whoever believes in Allah and the last day, let him honor his guest. He has to honor his guest. He should honor his guest. Translate it whatever you like. But in the Arabic, it's an amr. It's a command. That's it. He has to honor his guest. So... Let us just see some of the narrations related to, subhanAllah, the virtues of fasting. Uh, if I got off on too many rants, Sheikh, you know, as always, just put me back in line, inshallah ta'ala. please start. And, and, and subhanAllah, how I think tonight's the ninth night. Is that correct, Sheikh? I think we've entered the ninth uh, night yeah, tonight. Well, yeah, subhanAllah. So the third yani, gone. Wallahi, it's... it's, it's um, uh, amazing it's amazing subhanallah and and the salaf as we know used to utilize their time and i just wanted to touch up a second on that as well subhanallah on uh, one of the ulama of the salaf um, who wasn't actually classified as a clear alim but he was known to be someone who had khashya who used to as well fear allah azza wa jal and he used to be known pretty much as a muttaqi to the extent al-imam ahmad ibn hamad rahimahullah used to praise him heavily his name is ma'roof al-qarhi uh, rahimahullah and it's mentioned to the extent i just want to just touch up or make mention for this minute how the salaf wouldn't waste a second to the extent after it's mentioned after he finished umrah he went to the barber to shave his head subhanallah and as he was sitting on the barber seat he was doing dhikr of Allah. As the hadith advises us to keep our tongues moist with the remembrance of Allah. But this is a, 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 a you know, mathal tatbiqi, subhanallah. This is like the example being put into action where he was doing dhikr as he's on the seat. And after he had his head shaved, subhanallah, he told the barber to trim the mustache. And the barber went to go trim and cut that mustache. And then the barber had to actually tell him because he couldn't hear what he's saying or he didn't know what he's saying. He said... Stop that mumbling or I'm going to cut you. Yani by accident, of course. But the point is that sitting on a barber seat, you're sitting on a barber chair, you just told the barber to trim the moustache, subhanAllah, and you're doing dhikr. Yani look how they would not waste a second. And that's why many of our mashaykh would tell us the story, which I'm sure is well known about Ibn Baz, rahimahullah, who was obviously uh, one of the great giant ulama of our era, where in between questions, he would be doing dhikr. The, the guy's about to read a question to you, and he's sitting there doing dhikr, subhanAllah, in between. So it just makes you think, yani, where are they compared to where are, where are we? So this is that was just a reminder, brothers, just to you and sisters, just to utilize that time effectively. The ninth night, one more night, and we'll be a third through Ramadan. One third through Ramadan that will never ever be able to get back even a second of that. Even a second of that. So to speak about some of the general, uh, um, sorry, the general virtues of the fasting, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he says, "Man maridan, whoever visits a sick person, subhanallah." Oh, and this shows us that 
Okay, even if the person isn't sick, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, man zara or man aada maridan aw zara lahu akhan. Or he visits a brother of his, aw zara akhan lahu fillah, for the sake of Allah, nadahu munad, that a caller will call, munad, yani munadi tibta. May you be happy. May you be pleased. Wataba mamshaka, subhanallah. And may your footsteps be blessed. And likewise, in our day and age, wallahu alam, the driving, for example, you taking that time to go visit your brother for the sake of Allah, whether he's sick or not. Look at how the hadith says, if whoever visits a sick person or his brother, even if he's not sick, just to go and visit for the sake of Allah, an angel will call out, a caller will call out, may you be happy, a dua from the angels. And we know the dua of the minbar, how, yani the dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where he went up the minbar said, Amin, Amin, Amin. I'm sure you've mentioned that, Shaykh, and you've, we've heard that this Ramadan multiple occasions. But subhanallah, the dua, the angel will make a dua for you. May you be happy, may you be pleased, and may your footsteps be blessed. manzila, And the angel will make a dua, and may you be awarded or rewarded with a dignified position in Jannah. Just for what? Just because he went out to visit his brother for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal. And that's very important as we're going to discuss the intention when it comes to these, these visits. And mind you, the hadith once again doesn't say a family member. The hadith just says a brother. And of course, we know when it comes to the family members, it's much more important and much more stressed and emphasized and much more rewarding. So subhanAllah how we hear these narrations. But once again, a lot of us may... Uh, um, become heedless to the fact that visiting your brother is an act of worship and it's a great act of worship as we're going to see Abu Idris Al-Khawlani rahimahullah who was a tabi'i uh, Aidullah his name was rahimahullah and he met many of the companions and he mentions and this, this individual subhanallah was one of the great scholars and judges of Damascus now he mentions that I entered the Damascus mosque and there was a young man with very uh, uh, white teeth barraqul thanaya and some of the ulama commented on this word barraqul thanaya some said that he has very white teeth others they said that it means he used to smile a lot the point is that Whatever it was, he used to smile a lot. He had white teeth. Abu Idris al-Khawlani, he saw this individual sitting with some people. And when these people disagreed about something, they would go back to this individual. And the hadith actually mentions, or the athar actually mentions that whatever this individual would say, the people who were differing would take it. And that's very important advice because this individual that we're going to mention is a companion. And that's important, subhanAllah, an extract which some of the ulama extracted from this. They said that this is proof that if there's a sheikh and there's layman and he, the layman asked the sheikh a question, he doesn't even need to give them dalil. He doesn't even need to give them dalil. He can just tell them this is how it is or this is how it isn't. Now, of course, asking for the dalil is... Is, is fine, of course, we understand that. But does he need to sit there going into an explanation and categories and one, two, three? He does not. So the point of the hadith, subhanAllah, where he mentions that these people, when they differed, they would go to this individual that he saw, Abu Idris saw with the one that has white teeth or smiling a lot, and they would ask him, and whatever he would say, they would go with it, subhanAllah. Then I inquired about him, he said, and it was mentioned, this is Mu'adh ibn Jabal. And where did he see this individual? He saw him in the masjid, which once again shows us how important it is for everybody, not just the mashayikh, not just the leaders, not just the students of knowledge, but everybody to be connected to the masajid. And once again, I'm sure we've heard many 
uh, uh, virtues of that and the importance of that, subhanAllah. So he says, the next day, Hajartu, Hajartu, Fawajatuhu Qad Sabaqani Bil Hajir. What does this phrase mean? I found this, Wallahi, so, so inspiring, subhanAllah, because some of the commentators, they explain this phrase as meaning, and I'll, I'll cut it short from the Arabic. They said that Abu Idris, he went to the masjid at a time which... It isn't even around the obligatory prayer times. Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, and Isha. Just at a random time, not even around those times where the prayers are about to be established or prayed in jama'ah. And some of the ulama even said that this phrase means that he went at a time where people, usually the people would be sleeping. Subhanallah. So he says, pretty much, I went early to the prayer. Where a time where people were not to be expected, he said, and I found him there. And it shows us, he found Mu'adh ibn Jabal there. And it shows us, subhanAllah, once again, like how important it is, once again, not just for a sheikh or a scholar or a student of knowledge, but especially them, especially them to be in the masajid and to be connected to the masajid. And this is one of the detriments, subhanAllah, to be straightforward and frank of social media. This is one of the negatives. Of course, social media, there's a lot of khair in it. Um, uh, but at the same time, there's some negatives in it, as we all know. And one of um, uh, the biggest negatives which I found is a lot of people, because they can get the lessons on their phone, on their laptop or their iPads, they leave the masajid of Allah. I'm sure, Sheikh, you've seen that many times, subhanAllah. And unfortunately, it's a big problem. It is a very big problem. Yani, the Salaf were not like this. They used to gather together in the masajid for these uh, lessons, for the knowledge, to pray, to read Quran, to do all of these great acts of worship. So the point is, Abu Idris commented after he saw him now in this time where, how are you here? Yani, I came early. How are you here? I found you here. And when I come this time, I find you here. And you're here. You're here at this time. And that every time, everywhere I go and every time I come, I see you here. So he said, I waited for him to finish the prayer. Then I came to him in front of him and greeted him. He said, Assalamu alaikum. And then he said, By Allah, Wallahi inni uhibbuka lillah. Inni uhibbuka lillah. Of course, fillah is permissible. And he says, lillah. He says, indeed, by Allah. You know, he's making an oath here. He tells Mu'adh, I love you for the sake of Allah. Then Mu'adh says, Allah. Mu'adh told Abu Idris, the tabi'i, for Allah. The Abu Idris said, Allah. Yani, yes, for Allah. Then Mu'adh repeated, Allah, for Allah you love me. Then Abu Idris repeated. And this happened a few more times as the narration it mentions until uh, um, uh, Mu'ad ibn Jabal he says Abshir rejoice and he mentions a beautiful hadith after taking Abu Idris by the, clo- the cloak his clothing and then he pulled him a bit towards him and he said um, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam mentioned that Allah said in a hadith Qudsi wajabat mahabbati lil fiya that my love Allah's love this is Allah speaking saying my love has been made obligatory has been Obliged for who? Lil Mutahabinafiya, those who love each other for my sake. And who else? Wal mutajali sinafiya. And those who gather together and sit in assemblies for my sake. Go to a lesson, for example, go to a gathering which Allah is remembered. Uh, Allah is saying, Allah Azza wa Jal, my love has been made obligatory for the ones that get together for my sake, that love each other for my sake. And also those who visit each other. This is the shahid from the hadith for what we our topic yani, today and next time inshallah that Allah Azza wa Jal said my love is obliged for these categories and one of them is the ones that visit each other for Allah's sake. 
And then he says, And those who give for my sake. So the point is that if you want to be loved by Allah, one of the greatest ways, as he said himself, is to visit one each other, one is to visit each other or one another for his sake. For his sake, subhanAllah. So this is very important here that when you do go visit someone, ask yourself, why are you visiting this person 100%, for? 100%, exactly, subhanAllah. The intention is everything, as as, as you've mentioned many times, Sheikh, before. Indeed, actions are only or by, by intention, and every man will have that which he intended. Uh, we don't want to be too negative, we're trying to stay positive, yeah. but let's let's get it out of the way. There is a lot of tit for tat visiting. I'm visiting him because he visited me. If he doesn't visit me, I will never visit him. 100%. And, and we say that with a lot of cultures. And subhanAllah, there's a narration actually regarding that, regarding the Silatul Rahim. As we know, subhanAllah, the maintaining of family ties or kinship, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, Laysa uh, al-wasil, the, the, the wasil, the one who connects the family ties, Laysa al-wasilu, if I recall correctly, bittakafu, or along the lines, that the one that maintains really, the one that connects those family ties and uh, maintains those family ties, he is not the one that does it to recompense someone. Wallah, because he came over this time, I'm going to come over as well that time. Uh, uh, unfortunately, today, you know, I think I've mentioned this before. It's as if some people they that they're so just they have this mentality to such an extent that you'd think that these guys, for example, if they get a kid, okay, this guy gave me fifty dollars. So when he gets a kid, I'll give him fifty dollars. This guy gave me one hundred. So when he gets a kid, I'll give him one hundred. Wallah, for example, I get married, he gives me one hundred, I give him one hundred. He didn't give me anything, I some, won't give to some him. Some of my parents, may Allah forgive them. <laughs> They actually have a book. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, say for example, one of their kids got married. Yeah. They'll write down who who gifted <laughs> and what they gave. SubhanAllah. So, the next time the, uh, that person who gifted their kid gets married, they give they'll the look same. at the value and they'll... There you go. There you go. And this is um, this is not right. Exactly. That is not the, 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 the real connecting of family ties. And likewise, the real... A pretty much purpose of vi- or reason to visit subhanallah as the hadith says like we just mentioned that it's the real one that connects those ties and visits pretty much if you want to do qiyas to the hadith they're not the ones that just because he did it I'm going to do it in reality as the hadith mentions at the end the real one that connects the family ties that if he disconnects them if he cuts me off I'm still going to connect them that's the end of the hadith that if he cuts me off if he doesn't do it to me I'm still going to go I'm still going to do it. Because why? We're doing it for Allah Azza wa Jal. We're not doing it Allah for, oh, he done it for me. I'm just going to do it for him or for some kind of, you know, um, uh, uh, worldly purpose or worldly gain. And that's the next. And the last will put virtue, subhanAllah, regarding this, that as we know, a man, as the hadith says, that a man, he went out, subhanAllah, in wallahi, such a beautiful narration that should pump us up motivate us encourage us to go and visit and this is why i said one of the main topics or reasons sorry i wanted to choose this topic is because look i do understand in ramadan it's hard people like i said they they don't want to sit after or they want to relax for iftar for example and then go out to tarawih and they know some people might you know as we say in the visit and they might overdo it and and sit down and make you miss isha or at least for example make you say something when you don't want to i understand in ramadan it's a bit different but Outside of Ramadan, why do you not visit? Why do you not accept visits? Some people, like I mentioned earlier, when someone comes to visit them, they treat them as if, Yallah, we don't want you here. 
And that is not from the guidance of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Sheikh, before you continue, maybe you can explain what Takhin means for the non-Lebanese <laughs> listener. <laughs> the uh, Takhin, subhanAllah, yani, as we, we mentioned, subhanAllah, in our, in our wording, ya, Arabic, Takhin meaning to be fa' yani, Takhin, and really Sameen and the likes. But the point is something which is Takhin, uh, Samik and the like, something which is fa' So when we mentioned that about something, especially if it's غير um, عاقل, uh, subhanAllah, non-intellectual, يعني, we mean to exaggerate it and to overdo it. it exactly so to overdo it subhanallah and that's the reality as you mentioned earlier Sheikh, that when some people come they just overdo it overdo it too much yani, i want to go pray tarawih i want to go pray isha more importantly even more importantly in the masjid as we know to pray isha then to pray tarawih yani, it's too much so the point is but outside of ramadan why why so look at this hadith that a man just a man not a prophet not a messenger, which obviously they're men, but what I mean is just an ordinary layman, if you'd like to say a man. He went out to visit his brother in faith, yani a Muslim brother in another town. And what happened? That Allah Azza wa Jal placed a, a, an angel in the way of this man, on the path when this man was going to visit his Muslim brother in another town. Allah placed an angel on that path. Now what happened? When the man passed by the angel, the angel said to the man, where are you going? Or where do you intend to go? He said, I intend to visit my brother in this town. Then the man said to the angel, or the angel said to the man, have you done any favor to him? Or do you owe any favor to him? Some of the ulama, they mentioned, for example, is he your son that you need to go fix something? Uh... uh um, is he your father that you need to go fix something or help him with something? And you can also say, for example, do you have any business with him? Uh, are you going for a dunya reason? What's the reason you're going? The man said, La, غَيْرَ أَنِّي أَحْبَبْتُهُ فِي اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلُ The only reason I'm going, and this is the hadith, and this is where we can see how important it is to fix your intention and our intentions when we do visit. He says, no, I have no desire except to visit him. For the sake of Allah, because I love him for the sake of Allah. That's the only reason. And we know that one of the seven, and in reality, there's many more, of course, that are shaded under the throne of Allah on the day of resurrection under the, with the shade of Allah, is the one that the two that used to meet and leave only for the sake of Allah and out of love for Allah Azza wa Jal. So thereupon the angel after the man told the angel, no, I'm only going. I don't have any business with him. I don't owe him anything. I don't need to even go, but the only reason I'm going is because I love him for the sake of Allah. Then the angel said, فَإِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكَ That I'm a messenger of Allah to you. بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ Or so he can tell him, بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ قَدْ أَحَبَّكَ كَمَا أَحْبَبْتَهُ فِي يعني, Subhanallah that I'm a messenger to you. Allah sent me to you to tell you, Allah Azza wa Jal loves you just the way that you love him. So subhanallah how this individual set out with a pure intention just to visit his brother. Did he know or expect that Allah is going to love him like that? Send an angel to him? No. He didn't expect he's going to see an angel on the road in the form of a man that to tell him that Allah loves you the way you love your brother which you're setting out to go visit. He didn't expect that. But he went with a pure intention and look how Allah Azza wa Jal rewarded him. And in this is proof as well that Allah Azza wa Jal loves and Allah can be loved. And as we always say, brothers and sisters, when we understand that Allah Azza wa Jal loves the slaves and loves certain actions, loves certain times, for example, and the likes, then we should always be careful or try our best to know who does he love so I can be them. 
Who, who, what characteristics does he love so I can possess them and try to get them? What times does he love and places does he love so I can try to get those times, do those acts of worship in those times uh, and go to those places, for example, and the like. So visiting one another is an act of worship. And that was just a quick overview of the virtues um, uh, of visiting one another. But as I said, the etiquettes of the visiting are also very important because someone might go with that sincere intention, but he might end up leaving hated by Allah. Because of the things that he does that go against those etiquettes of visiting. So we know going is virtuous, but when you go there, what you get up to. What you get up to, exactly. And even um, we could also say, for example, before you even enter, you know, as we know the hadith about the one uh, who peeps into the people's household, subhanAllah. Uh, so many things to discuss. So uh, what do you think? We'll speak about a few today, or what do you think, Shah? I reckon we. We get us started with one or two, inshallah. and then maybe, inshallah, we'll leave the rest for another time. Okay. So the etiquettes can relate to, of course, the host, the person who is having the, the guest come to him, or it can relate to the guest himself, um, the one that is visiting, the visitor or the visited, if you'd like to say, or it can relate to both. So alhamdulillah, we discussed the intention and we spoke about um, that. The second one is like what we mentioned, not bombarding people with visits. You know, uh, this one we can use, yani, a lot of people, bit- <laughs> I hope that's understood by everybody now, yani, that a lot of people, they overdo it. And the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, which once again, Al-Albani rahimahullah and other ulama, they classified as authentic, he says, zir ghibba. Uh, sorry, uh, he meaning to visit sometimes and not visit sometimes. Or we can say to visit infrequently. Not to constantly, constantly, constantly bombard with visits. And this is the way, this is the advice and the command of the Prophet And he mentions at the end of this hadith, and that way the love will increase. The love will increase. And we actually see this today. When brothers, you see them every single day, every night and day, a lot of the times, I'm not saying the majority, and I'm not saying all the time, but a lot of the times they end up despising one another. They end up angry at one another for these silly reasons. They end up getting more emotional between one another for the silliest of reasons. But someone who comes maybe once a week, once every fortnight or whatever the visiting uh, culture is or custom is, you don't really see this um, with them, subhanAllah. So the point is that one of the etiquettes is that we do not want to bombard the host with visits. Even though he might not say something, even though he might not say something, just understand that we are human beings. And would you like someone to come over your house, for example, yani 24-7 or every single day, seven days a week? Okay, yes, there might be some rare cases where some people you might not mind, but just understand that there will be other cases where, yeah, you do not want certain people to visit every single day. And we can also add, which could be separate, but we can make it relate to this as well. As you mentioned, don't overstay the visit. Not just don't visit constantly and so frequently, but don't overstay the visit where you're sitting there for three, four, five, six, seven hours. You know, last night after the Tarawih, we went to Aza to show condolences and offer condolences to the deceased family, subhanAllah. And some of them are sitting there three, four hours Yani, why? You're making it hard on the family. You're meant to go there to show condolences and offer your condolences. Um, and in reality, to make it easier for the family. And you're making it harder but by staying there three, four hours. And we all know what, what happens at a lot of these. That's uh, another topic, Chef. Yeah, definitely. Uh, condolences. <laughs> and now, three, four hours, maybe it's Ramadan. Yeah. For some, that's a bit light. 
Yeah. <laughs> we know that, you know, the three days, they, some of them go every single day. Day, subhanAllah. From yeah. when the house opens to, to when, when the closes. last visitor. And they expect to be fed. Exactly, they expect yeah. This. And they're, and they're actually burdening the family more than they're help, um, uh, helping in many cases. So that's another yeah. topic for another day. Yeah. <laughs> so don't overburden. Uh, with visits, don't stay too long. Yeah. Let's take another one. What else? Okay. We'll take um one more, which is uh or even we could take two more, but we'll mention the one more about not entering without permission. And subhanAllah, growing up I saw this a lot. Yani the brothers yeah, boys were boys, I guess. We didn't really think of it like that. Where you might have a friend's house and he invites you or he calls you over. And you say, Yallah, I'm coming, for example. And you go and you just enter the house because you know it's open. But in reality, this is against the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. Yes, some ulama, they mentioned that if you, or if you know that the person knows that you're just going to walk in and he expects you like that, it's fine. But generally speaking, generally speaking, we should seek permission to enter at all times. We should seek permission to enter at all times. Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, O you who believe, la tadkhulu buyutan ghayra buyutikum hatta tasta'nisu wa tusallimu ala ahliha. Thalikum khayrun lakum la'allakum tadhakkarun. Allah says, O you who believe, do not enter houses other than your own. Do not enter houses other than you, your own until you have asked permission and greeted those in them. And then Allah Azza wa Jal, He says, فَإِن لَمْ تَجِدُوا فِيهَا أَحَدًا فَلَا تَدْخُلُوهَا حَتَّى يُؤْذَنَ لَكُمْ وَإِنْ قِيلَ لَكُمْ مُرْجِعُوا فَرْجِعُوا هُوَ أَزْكَى لَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْلَمُونَ عَلِيمٌ Allah says, and if you find no one in there, okay, what if you call out, you go to visit someone and you start calling out, and then no one answers you. Allah says, don't enter. Don't try to go open that door, for example, as once again, <laughs> I've seen many times happen. Don't try to go open that door. Don't start, wallah, peeping through the windows and the likes. Khalas, if you don't find anyone there, don't enter. What about if someone's there and they tell you, go back? If they say, go back, now's not a good time. It's not a good time now. Now, I reckon in our day and age. <laughs> Ooh, that's huge. I think that's the best way to say it. That will start um, dramas and wars. And that's a straight block delete envy. in our day and age. That's a block delete, subhanAllah. But definitely, look, at the end of the day, Allah tells us, if you are told to go back, what do you do? Don't get upset. Go back. That's purer for you, Allah says, subhanAllah. You don't know what's happening inside the house as well. 100%. Maybe they don't want visitors at that time. You yeah. know, and you know they not have something on. There's exactly. a family issue at hand. You know, you don't know. And yeah, yeah. And, and I've I've heard some, of some cases where um, a few visitors came, and the brother let like his his close relative in, like maybe it was a father or you know or or his mother or whatever it is, but someone else he didn't let them in. Yeah. And they got upset. Subhanallah. But he wasn't he wasn't expecting anyone else, like yeah. someone yeah. who is not from the you know close immediate yeah, family. It's, it's very important. And that individual got upset when he shouldn't. You know what I mean? At all, at so, and, and, and that's why studying is important and learning what Allah told us. Learning what Allah Azza wa Jal told us and what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told us is so important because like you said so beautifully, you should not get, you have no right to get upset. Allah is telling you Azza wa Jal that if you are told to go back, go back. Not just go back, but it's purer for you. And at the end of the day, you don't want to make it hard on the people. Like you said, maybe they're busy doing something. Maybe they just had a fight. Maybe they had a problem. Maybe they're just they're not expecting visitors right now. Maybe they want to rest. They had a hard day, a long day. They want to sleep. Especially the times that people go today, which is another point which we'll mention next lesson. But the times that people go today, yani, 
They'll go, for example, after Fajr, they'll go يعني, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. Some people, يعني, obviously it might not be too common, but it happens. And that's actually interesting that, subhanAllah, once I was on the farm, my uncle Sheikh Faiz's farm, subhanAllah, and we were painting the shed. It was about, took us about seven days to paint, me and him together. I were painting it, subhanAllah. And uh, I had my... I don't like painting, but I, I would like to paint with you on that. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not a good. painter. I'm not a painter, but it turned out, um, okay, I think six out of ten from my, my end. My dad's a, paint, a painter. <laughs> subhanAllah. But I wasn't very good. Yes, I'm, I'm with you on on that one so yani, I'm on the same boat there so I, did, I, anyway, I tried my best I didn't get past the sanding we get the achievement award <laughs> participation award participation award that's it so subhanallah I'm more painting and uh, he had gone inside one of the days and it was after Maghrib and subhanallah I stayed painting and I remember I had the Prado my Prado um, back then I think it was about six years ago maybe subhanallah and I put the lights on um, high beams on the Prado because obviously in the farm it's very dark there was no lights there was no one, two, three. So subhanAllah, I put the lights on, finished anyway. Allahu alam, I forgot what time, but it was a decent amount after Maghrib. Yani. And I went back to, and subhanAllah, with my uncle's farm back then, uh, there was a mountain which was a big mountain, subhanAllah. And there was my little uh, shed which I was staying in on top of that mountain. So from his house to the mountain, like you look at it, you'd think it'd take it a few minutes. But because the mountain was high and the way I'd go up in the Prado, it took about 15, literally 10 to 15 minutes. And anyway, it was, um, uh, um, subhanAllah, I, I had finished the painting. So I was ready to go up. I go to the car, I turn it on, the battery's dead. And there's no reception. <laughs> so I can't call him. Now, it was already, you know, like I said, a decent amount after Maghrib, probably after Isha as well. And subhanAllah, because obviously I was doing, I was doing Jama Qasr back then because it was a, a, a three, four hour trip. The point is anyway, subhanAllah, that there was no reception, so I can't call him. And I know his room was all the way on the other side of the shed. Um, so I didn't want to go and start calling out because maybe he's sleeping because I know that they used to sleep pretty early. Um, so anyway, the point is I didn't just go in and you know start knocking and calling out and one, two, three. I, I just literally slept in the car. So I just thought that's, that's just a story of how subhanAllah, I personally and inshallah it was sincere that I didn't want to go against the Quran and Sunnah by annoying pretty much the host which was my uncle at the time I didn't want to go and um, wake him up for example and, and the like so the point is anyway here that definitely we need to be careful about the times that we visit we need to be careful about overstaying the visit and we need to be careful about frequently visiting to the extent where it's going to be a burden for the family rather than a relief and subhanallah Regarding the seeking of permission to enter, which we just mentioned, there's a hadith that says, that a man came and he sought permission from the Prophet to enter يعني, in the house. Uh, he said to the Prophet, he called out, Shall I enter? Uh, uh, then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he told one of his servants ila he said to one of the servants at the time that were there go outside to this individual go to him and teach him how to ask for permission so subhanallah it shows us that there are these etiquettes that we need to be wary of and we need to understand and we need to pretty much implement this is the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam imagine you now going to knock on the prophet's door sallallahu alayhi wasallam and you call out should i come in just like that should i come in and the prophet doesn't even answer you because you didn't say it properly 
You didn't mention it properly the way it should be mentioned. So instead of answering you, he tells someone to come outside and teach you before he even lets you in the house. Subhanallah, yani the etiquette of um, seeking permission to enter. So then he told the boy or the servant, go, go and teach him how to enter. فَقُلَّهُ Say to him. He told the servant to say to him, قُلْ Say, Assalamu alaykum أَأَدْخُلْ then this companion that was at the door that previously was not allowed to enter, he said, he called out to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, As-salamu alaykum, a'adkhul? He says, peace be upon you. He, he greets the, those who are inside the house. Shall I enter? Am I allowed to enter? Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, lahu. After that, he allowed him to enter. The point is, before that, the Prophet didn't let him come in. The Prophet ﷺ did not allow him to come in when he heard him, but he didn't let him. Why? Because of the way he sought permission. So it's like today, yani, if you go to knock on someone's door or you ring the doorbell and there's going to be a point about that next lesson to not be annoying, just straightforward, not be annoying. Some people, beep, 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 they hold the doorbell and the doorbell's got just an annoying ringtone, for example, or tone or whatever it is. And it's just so frustrating. Khalas, press it once and that's it. Or they let their kids go. <laughs> no. What about the doorbell? What about the breaking the door? Yeah, yeah subhanAllah, when they're knocking. Smashing the door, yeah. <laughs> subhanAllah. So the point is, there are these etiquettes, subhanAllah. And from the etiquettes regarding the door, and if you're at the door as well, and, and this happens so much when you're on the phone. Our brother calls, you know, Salaam Alaikum, uh, Akhi, Salaam Alaikum, Sheikh, whatever. So you answer, Wa Alaikum Assalam Wa Rahmatullah. So you say, who's this? Man Ma'i, for example. Who's this? Man Hada. And he says, it's me. What is Oh yeah, it's you. All right. Well, I can't see a number. You're calling off a random number. Who's this? It's me. Don't you know me? What do you mean? Don't you? you forgot me. It makes you feel yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm your husband. Just tell me who you are. <laughs> So this actually happened at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, where Jabir, the companion, radiyallahu anhu, he says, "Ataytu Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, fadaqatu albab." I, 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 I knocked on the door. Subhanallah. فَقَالَ مَنْ ذَا Who's there? So Jabir, he didn't know. He said, me. <laughs> so the Prophet ﷺ became a bit frustrated as some of the commentators, they said. And he said, ana, ana. You know, like, me, me. Yani, who's me? That doesn't tell me anything. When you say me, oh, oh, I'm at the door. It's me. What do you mean it's you? Ma? You're about to open the door and let someone come into the, into the house. So it's very important that when we do seek permission to enter, you make it known who you are. You make it known who you are. So you say, for example, it's Khalid. It's Khalid ibn Fawaz, for example. Khalid Muhammad. Whatever it is, as long as you let the person know who you are, who's standing at the door. Likewise, on the phone, brothers and sisters, when you call someone, let it be known who you are. Especially if you're calling a sheikh or da'i or student and you want to ask a question, for example, don't just say, it's me. Don't you know me? Don't you remember me? I mean, these people deal with hundreds of people weekly. Oh, don't you remember me? I saw you, Akhi, 20 years ago. How am I going to remember you? <laughs> this reminded me of the Isra and Mi'raj when the Prophet Sallallahu was with Jibreel and on each heaven. Exactly. Asked, he, met, he met the companion and he said, they said their names and that, Shaykh? Is that what you're referring on to? On each level, the, the, the angel of that level would ask oh, who Jibreel, is, who is yeah, and who is with you? Has he been commissioned? And then... They mentioned that this is Muhammad ibn Abdullah and the oh, like. Right. Subhanallah, exactly. They make Permission it known. On each level. Subhanallah, they make it known. And, and this is the way we should act when it comes to seeking permission. Make it known who you are. This is from the etiquette. Don't just go and knock and if the person says, who's with me? He says, oh, it's me. You call out, it's me. It's me. No, don't just say, it's me, it's me. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he rebuked this. And I think we'll take one more. From one God. more. And that is to not stand directly facing the door 
when you knock or ring the doorbell. Don't stand directly facing it. Meaning, even if you do knock or ring the doorbell and it's right in front of it, some people might say, how am I going to stand? Where am I going to stand? i got to ring the doorbell. i got to knock. Okay, knock, ring the doorbell, and then stand away from the door. Stand to the right, stand to the left, face away, for example. Why? Some of the ulama, they said, because then if you stand in front and the person opens the door or something like this, you might see inside something which he doesn't want you to see. And there's proof from this in the sunnah where the Prophet ﷺ, someone came and he stood at the door of the Prophet ﷺ. And the narrator actually mentions that this companion was facing the door, was specifically facing the door um, of the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ advised him and instructed him to stand like this or like this, meaning to the left or the right of the door either side of the door. So the ulama, they say in our day and age, say the door comes out. So say you're knocking on the door and they've got um, a bab al-shreet, or, or uh, what do we say, subhanAllah, a, uh, what do they call the bab al-shreet, subhanAllah? Uh, I forgot, there's another word in Arabic as well, subhanAllah. The, not the, not Al- the actual aluminium door. door. The, yeah, not the actual door though, the... The, the aluminium door the, with the fly screen. Yeah, the fly screen one, subhanAllah. So the point is, say now you're opening the fly screen and it comes out towards you. Where do we stand? Some of the ulama, they said you stand behind it. So, so in this case, if the door opens to the left, you stand here. Because then... It's not going to be on this side where you're still going to be able to see inside. The point is anyway, don't stand in a position where you're directly facing the door. From the etiquette is that you do not do this, but rather you stand on either side or turn away. Um, something like this, subhanAllah. You know, some people uh, today, they, they, they stand in front of the door as if they're literally trying to look into that peephole. You know, and this is something which is completely against the sunnah. And as we'll see next lesson, the Prophet ﷺ had such severe and harsh words to a man who did this. A man who, when the Prophet ﷺ was scratching his head or um, combing his hair, and the hadith mentioned scratching the head, the point is with a comb. And subhanAllah, a man, he went and he actually peeped into the peephole of the Prophet ﷺ, a little hole. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, if I was sure that you were doing that, if I knew that you were doing that, I would have poked your eye with this. Subhanallah, يعني, showing us how serious of a matter it is when someone goes and he's standing in front of the door in our day and age when they got those peepholes. Um, I don't know if there's another word for it. The point is, and they start trying to look into it. This is a, um, a, a sin and it is not permissible, inshallah, as we'll see next lesson. And uh, before we finish, uh, the example of, of, of um, seeking permission and entering through the right door, through the right avenues, is an example our ulama give for many things using the Quran and Sunnah that when you want to do anything, enter through the right avenue, enter through the right door, meaning use the Islamically prescribed means. Wallahi, what a beautiful point, um, Sheikh. You want to get married, enter through the right door. <laughs> Then enter through the back door. <laughs> exactly. Seek the, the permission of the wali. You know what I mean? Go, don't do things which, which are haram. You want to open up a business? Likewise, do it, do it the, the right, right way. way. 100%. Mm. Even seeking knowledge, do it the right way. Don't try to take shortcuts, you know, um, sit at the feet of the ulama. That's right. You know, subhanAllah, there's so many um, things that can be included in that, Sheikh. 100%. That when you want to do something, do it according to the right method and way. Excellent. Allah barik. Barakallah feek. We'd like to thank the Sheikh for being with us tonight. And we'd like to thank all our viewers and our listeners. Uh, please do download the Al-Bayan Radio app on the Google Play Store, on the Apple App Store. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Al-Bayan Radio. And also subscribe to our podcast channels on Podbean, 
on uh, Apple Podcast and SoundCloud. Barakallah fikum and until next time for part two of the etiquettes of visiting others. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah.